Welcome to the Forge and Anvil podcast, where we embrace uncomfortable conversations about culture and politics to sharpen ourselves for the race set before us. My name is Connor. I am host of this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, please go to forgeandanvil.locals.com. We appreciate your support. Joining us today, we have our guest, Pastor Lee Bailey. Lee, say hello. Hey, uh, glad uh, to be joining you on your podcast today, Connor and Michael. I appreciate uh, you giving me a chance to jump on here. Um, so thanks for having me. Awesome. And then back again is a regular guest of the show, Michael Aper. Hello, friends. I'm just a student trying to learn more about Jesus and help others to learn about Jesus as well. Awesome. Well, today we are going to discuss pairing. So in 2020, Pew Research did a, a survey on young individuals, um, specifically young couples, and asked them why they did not want to become parents for those that answered that that was not their desire. The number one reason given for young people not wanting to become parents is simply because they don't want to. The number two reason was due to fertility use. And then the third was financial. So that's going to be a little bit of the primer for our conversation today um, to discuss parenthood, what it means to become a parent, why parenthood is worth doing, if it is worth doing at all. And of course, um, how we can be equipped to become good parents. So Lee, I know you have a lot more experience than um, Michael or, or myself, but um, if you could maybe give a little bit of background of um, a little bit of your background in this area for our listeners, that'd be awesome. Sure. Well, of course, the prim primary background that I have related to this subject is the fact that I have four kids of my own. Uh, my oldest is 23, and then they go 20, 18, and 16 uh, down from there. My wife and I were the typical family, and we answered probably some of those questions when we were first married. We were married in 1993, and the first uh, first several years of our marriage, we were not financially able, uh, not financially stable enough to have children. We were afraid about, uh, nervous about raising kids, and so we didn't really want to start having kids uh, that early. And um, and then uh, what was it? Uh, you know, we didn't have any fertility issues, but I, it. I understand that that's certainly a, a reason that people will not uh, will not have kids, but we certainly met two of those three primary reasons when we first were married. But since that time, you know, we had four kids. We had them pretty close together. Um, and, and, and I've also, uh, after I left, I had a 15 year, um, a 15 year career in the secular world, in the finance world. I left there and went to seminary, and after I graduated seminary, I was the uh, pastor to young couples and young families at a church in Alabama. And so I dealt with a lot of these issues as well as a pastor, uh, specifically over that age group and over the folks that were having uh, having kids or d debating having kids, discussing when to have kids, when to have children. So I've got a little bit of experience both personally and professionally kind of in this area. And it's a very interesting topic and a reason, a great reason to kind of be out there and get some, get the really the good, good answers out there for people who don't want to have kids. They need to, they need to think through that. Bottom line, good Christian people 
need to be providing a solution rather than a problem to this world. And a lot of times you can do that by raising good kids. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot to unpack there, especially that that last nugget of wisdom you gave us there. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I want to start by asking you, Lee, because um, I think it's it's really easy to uh, to give finances as the primary reason why people might not want to become parents. But the survey specifically, um, you know, included that as its own separate statistic. And the number one reason was just because those individuals did not want to become parents. So why do you think individuals no longer want to become parents? The world that we are in is terrifying. And I will tell you, for those of us, and I don't know specifically your all's ages, but I was born in 1971. And I grew up in the 80s and 90s. And we had our own problems. We had our own issues. And there was a lot of people who are currently parents now. Um, that have, you know, 10-year-olds or 15-year-olds that would say um, that the problems that raising kids today are similar to what they were when we were kids, when I I was a kid. And I've just discovered that is simply not true uh, of all generations that have ever lived. Uh, You know, my oldest son was born in 1999, and it was 2004 when Facebook was uh, was first launched. And then from after Facebook was, uh, you know, I think uh, Instagram and Snapchat and Twitter and all these things have come along at, tw- you know, t- 2009, 2010, 2012, 2014, these social media um, uh, apps and the social media world has come along in this current generation. And it is terrifying. It is absolutely terrifying, and it is different. It is just different. The world I grew up in, the world you all grew up in, is different than the current environment that we're in. And you have to be willing to change your life, to raise parent, to raise kids in a world that become a part of the world's solutions. Because if you just parent as a mediocre parent, they will fall into being a part of the problem. So it just takes a lot of work and most people probably recognize that. Yeah. Now I'm uh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to uh, jump in there, but I'm just going to tell you from a personal experience, it's worth it. It's worth every minute of it. The heartaches, the ups and downs, everything about it. It's the greatest joy of life Hmm. is to raise kids. And most people just see the downside. Hmm. It is scary. Yeah. And that was my very next question is, is parenthood work? So it's awesome that you already got a jump start on that, but maybe if you can unpack that a little bit more, what about parenthood is worth it? So th- there's a, there is a lot that we can talk about as it relates to parenthood. There is a lot that goes back even before you start having kids about the marriage relationship. Um, it's very unique. I, my current position at the church I've been at now for, Uh, almost 14 years. I'm the executive pastor. And that's the guy who does a lot of the behind the scenes and, and budget work and things like that. But for whatever reason, I can't fully explain it. I've kind of become the pastor who does a lot of weddings. And so I have 
over the past uh, with the, my previous church and this church, I estimate I've conducted about 50 weddings and I require a significant amount of premarital counseling. And so each couple that I've ever um, performed a wedding, I've done probably at least 10 hours of premarital counseling. So I've had probably around 500 or more uh, hours of premarital counseling total, maybe more, probably more. And we discuss all these things and we discuss uh, how important marriage is. We discuss uh, kids. And one of the things we talk about, and this is important, Connor, um, from a biblical standpoint, when when God created uh, created the heavens and the earth and he went through the days of creation, day one and day two and day three and so forth, he, he goes into a detail and says, you know, at the end of each day, he looks at it and he says, um, and, and on, at the end of the first day, right at the end of the third day, God saw what he made and it was good. At the end of the third day, God saw what he made and it was good. And then he, of course, God created Adam and Eve on day six. And it was at the end of that day that he looked and saw what he had made. And he said, according to his word, he said, this is very good. Well, there is no kids. There are no kids at this point. So I tell couples that it's important to understand that your marriage relationship is complete when you get married. There's no such thing as starting a family when you have kids. You start the family when you walk down the aisle. Yeah. And so th that is an important, important distinction in God's word is that you are not required to have children to complete your family or to have a biblical family. The Bible does not mandate children. Um, and, and that's important because some some couples are scared. You know, their their finances are just they're just barely making ends meet. And so if as a pastor or as a church, we apply pressure to young couples that oh, you've got to start having kids because it's your biblical um, mandate. You know, we're not we're not giving them the proper scripture and proper interpretation of scripture when we do that. Now, also, it's important to it's important to, to note that God never says anything about kids that isn't positive. Mm hmm. Children are a blessing, period. So if you want to limit your blessings, then stop having kids. If yeah. you want to limit your ability to impact the world, then don't have kids. Because God says they're like arrows that go out into this world, and we are shooting them out, and we want ammo. We are constantly bombarded with problems and difficulties and so the, the more children that we have and the and embracing it in a way that it's joy is very important. Now, when I when I you're asking me to unpack the question about it being a joy, the marriage relationship is so critical and kids done, done right, having children brings a marriage together and a family unit together. Um, you must be on the same page. You must communicate. You must create opportunities for difficult uh, conversations, for joy-filled conversations. There's no way to go through the motions and have a good marriage and raise good kids. So it basically is an accountability measure 
to have a great marriage and to have good kids and, and to, with the, um, with the attempt to even raise kids in this environment, we have to be on our toes. It's a, it's a challenge, but it is the joys of seeing a chill, uh, your children. Now, none of my kids are married, but my kids are in healthy relationships. Some of them, my oldest one is my oldest one, my 23 year old, um, bought a house in another state and moved out to pursue a job. So even that, even that one thing, there is so much joy seeing your oldest who you, you know, who we almost lost him as, you know, when he was first born and we had to nurse him back to health to see him now at 23, you know, making his own decisions, creating his own friendships, finding his own uh, community and a church in a different state. There is nothing that compares to that. There's nothing that compares to it. It is so wonderful. And young couples that choose to pass on that, they're going to, they're going to lose blessing after blessing after blessing for really because of fear. Hmm. And life is going to be full of fear anyway. I mean, that, there's just a lot of things to be fearful about. So there's just no point in passing up blessing, passing up opportunities, passing up opportunities to uh, to better yourself than than to have tend to have children if God if God allows you to have kids. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that Psalm one twenty seven, the ESV translation has a really cool. Um, translation of that verse that says blessed is the man who fills his quiver with with them referring to the children as arrows it's the only translation that words it in a way where it's an action Mm -hmm. and i think that that's crucial especially when you put it into today's context um and you know we, we hear a lot of talk about um about our generation and um parenthood and it seems that there's um a lot of hesitation towards that. Michael, do you have any insight on why you think individuals, because um, you're newly married, fairly newly married, um, and you have not yet started having children, um, but do you have any insight as to um, why you think so much of our generation and um, maybe those a little older, a little younger are so hesitant on the parenthood question? Yeah, absolutely. And there's a few... I mean, you've already defined three of the top reasons. Each of those reasons can be built out a little bit. Um, I, I want to start, because this has been heavy on my heart for the past year or more, talking about the financial aspect. Because certainly our age is one, and we've talked about this in the past, our age group being young married people who are newly married, mid to late 20s, are incredibly discouraged by the world economic situation, about the housing market, about the cost of living. And the social media trend is to highlight all the doomsday ideologies that, you know, we're gonna have food shortages and we can't feed ourselves. So how could we possibly feed a child? And I wanna challenge that just to say, and I've said this to a number of individuals in my life that I care very deeply about, and I say it to myself as well. In 20 years, 20 years from now, I'm 27 now, I'll be 47 in 20 years. 
will I care more about the paycheck that I received this week? Or will I care more about my children? Will I care more about my occupation that I had when I was 27? Or will I care more about my adult children? And what Pastor Lee's he talking about here is just a beautiful testament to the value of what those children can bring to a life. So for any person who's listening to this, if you're has hesitant for financial reasons or even an extension of the financial reasons, you know, some people think I can't afford diapers or whatever, but some people also think we'll have kids once we move into a house, but we have to get a house first. But so we have to pay off whatever debt in order to get into a house. No, that's not a priority. It should not be listed as a priority. And I think the development of family is more important than that. But it's not just the finances. That's a big one for a lot of Christians. I know I have a lot of hesitancy because of the finances. But in our culture, we have a really unfortunate trend that says that it's selfish to have children because of the global population. People think that population is related to, to global climate disorder or, or climate change struggles, impending doom. And your kid being born and eating food is gonna be selfish and a problem for the future of the global climate situation. And that, that is just so saddening to me that people are believing this and people are buying into it. The capacity for our world to produce fruit is such a, and not, I don't mean literal fruit, although I do to a degree, but production of fruit, meaning the production of goodness for the sake of the people and for the community of, of people who can build towards lifting each other up if we would just follow Christ-like principalities and the values that are promoted in the scripture of God, I think we would find that we don't have to be limited by global population and our global population is on a significant decrease because of these ideologies and we're not seeing a lot of benefit from that. Yeah. You, know, you know, once again, if you, if you think about parenting, in such a way that it's an honor, it's a joy, it's a blessing, and it is a, it's an opportunity for you to be a part of the world's solution and not a part of the world's problem. If you go into it like that, um, and then there are some like-minded people that you find in a community somewhere, in a church, and you all hold each other accountable, uh, th there is a sharpening, you know, like the Bible says, iron sharpens iron, there is a sharpening that happens with dads and moms that they become better. They, they become more astute believers and the relationship that we have with our heavenly father is so enhanced when you have children, because you begin to see what God, you begin to feel mm. what God feels when a child of yours obeys because it's the right thing to do or a child of yours disobeys and it breaks your heart on a micro level. You begin to really feel and understand what you do to the Lord, what you do to your heavenly father. You feel it in a much deeper, 
a much uh, a much more heavy way, both with both with joy and with disappointment. Um, there's nothing like it. I, I, I sometimes tell a story about when <clears throat> I was in fourth grade um, and my dad, uh, I was uh, I was practicing for field day at my little elementary school and I was out running uh, in the front yard uh, practicing and my dad came out, you know, here my dad is, he's a, an older guy at the time and he's a little bit overweight and he was just watching me and he just said, well, he asked me what I was doing. And I told him I was practicing for the 400 meter dash for field day at school. And he said, you know what, Lee, I can, I can tell you, give you some advice that would guarantee you that you'll win the race. So I said, okay. He happened to know at the time that my elementary school didn't have a track. So we were going to run on a football field. So we were going to start at the end zone and run four different lengths of the ends of the football field. He told me to jog the first hundred yards and then jog about 25 yards back the other way and then start running fast. Well, I thought that man was crazy. I thought my dad was a lunatic that all these, uh, all my friends are going to take off running as hard as they can. And I'm going to be so far behind. I'll never win. I remember very distinctly at that starting line, asking myself this question. I don't know why I remember it, but I remember it. I remember thinking, do I trust my dad? Do I trust what my dad has to say? And I remember thinking my dad, now listen, not everybody, not everybody has an upbringing like I did. I had a great father who loved the Lord. And not everybody has an upbringing like I did, but that's really the point of being godly Christian parents and raising kids in a Christian home is that hopefully we will provide an upbringing like the one that I had. Anyway, so I remember thinking my dad has never given me a reason to not trust him. My dad has never given me a reason to, to not, to not, listen to what he has to say and do it, even though it doesn't make sense. Even though in my little mind, it didn't make any, it, it was incomprehensible that I would win the race doing what he told me to do. But as I sat there before they said go, I thought he's never let me down. So I did exactly what my dad said and I fell way behind and after 125 yards, I turned on the jets and I passed every kid that was racing and I won. And I got this reputation being the fastest kid in school and all, and all that stuff. And I've just got this long story. And uh, I tell that story sometimes and I make it much longer. And I, you know, I go down and how close to, you know, anyway, the point is, is that when it's over and you then do a parallel our heavenly father and you just think lord you've never let me down i have no reason to ever not obey you even though i don't understand it and that's what faith is and so our kids learn uh, our kids learn what faith is by parental and a, a parent-child relationship just like we learn it from a parent-child relationship 
So it's so valuable on every possible front. And choosing to not have kids because you don't want to is leaving yourself empty uh, of valuable, important life experiences that enhance our relationship with our maker. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely becoming a, you know, a new father myself. I think for me, I immediately understood the idea of both grace and um, the righteousness that Christ puts on me when he, what, you know, when, when God looks at me, he sees me as being righteous. And when I became a dad, that's when I really understood it because you can get an idea of it, you know, before parenthood. But once you look down at a child and you think, wow, I did not realize I would be able to love something so much, you know, so easily. And you realize that scriptures say that we are going to be adopted into the sonship of our heavenly father um you know through christ and you realize that we are considered to be sons of god you know through the gift of salvation that comes through christ and you realize that that same feeling that i'm feeling towards my daughter is the exact same feeling that christ or i should say you know our heavenly father looks down upon us and that is just mind-blowing to me and that that immediately also helped me to live a more righteous life. Like the more, the more that I have spent time grasping and fully understanding and most importantly, embracing and believing that I am made righteous through Christ, the easier it is to live righteously. Mm -hmm. And I find that to be really, really interesting how that, how that works. There are, there are just so many uh, benefits. Uh, you know, Michael, you were talking earlier about the financial part and I appreciate what you said, what you, what you said that it's um, that you, you basically called, you know, called those young couples out, you know, whoever they might be that says, uh, you know, I can't afford to. And you said, it's, that's not the good, it's not a good reason. And it's not, we're never going to be ready to get married. We're never going to be ready to be parents financially or otherwise and you put it before the lord it's just another way to demonstrate to the lord that you are dependent on him it's just another way it's so um uh this entire process the financial part um the lack of sleep part where you realize that you have more ability to go on uh, on a day after a, after a hard night with kids, or even your ability to minister to others because of what you've been through with your own kids. It has enriched my ability to pastor because of uh, me being a parent. So many um, young families, in fact, we had a young family in our church about two years ago. Their little girl, uh, this was their third child, their little girl was born prematurely and was in uh, intensive care at Children's Hospital in, or at Vanderbilt um, for months and months and months. And the and the child was on uh, all kinds of you know uh, needed help breathing and needed their body little her little body needed to develop you know in the in intensive care and there was just so much that the nurses had to do and the parents were just worn out. And I experienced that with our first child. 
And uh, he was in intensive care for a long time. And we got to watch all those monitors and look at him every time we went in there to see how his oxygen level was and, and, and listen to what the doctors had to say and give us their updates and tell us the bad news and the good news and the ups and downs and roller coasters of that. And because I had been through it, I had been able to minister to that family better than most anyone else could because I've been there and they know they know that I knew what they were feeling. And so it makes us better. It just does. It, um, this whole, this whole uh, idea of parenting sharpens us. It should make our marriages better. It should make us better friends. Helps us understand grace. Helps us understand mercy. And then we sometimes have to ask for forgiveness uh, with, from our own kids when we've uh, overcorrected or we've done things we shouldn't. Um, it kind of gives us a better idea of what it's like when we need to go to our Father, our Heavenly Father, and ask for forgiveness. There's just so many benefits, and I can't think of one downside except that, you know, kids can be difficult. And so it, uh, it, you know, I've, I've got two teenagers right now and two that are older than teenagers. The teenage years are, are challenging because they're ready to break free and be independent. And if you've done a good job and you've taught them to go out into the world and be those arrows, then they come, there comes a time when they want to do that. Mm-hmm. And you're so used to spending time around the family table or, you know, sitting around at night talking on the couch and they're not there anymore. It's because they're doing what you raised them to do. And that's hard. That's why the marriage relationship is so important. You got to foster that the whole time that you're raising kids. Yeah. Yeah. And the idea that you've been wrapping us back to um, throughout this conversation, Lee, that we are able to be a part of the solution as when we venture into parenthood. Um, You know, the idea of, from being arrows, as Psalm one twenty seven says, I think that to me, I I find that analogy useful because I think that arrows is a distance weapon in in warfield. You know, it it is, um, it is for me to hit something beyond my reach, and I view it in that in that same light. I think that analogy is really well put, um, because and to Michael's point earlier as well to kind of you know, wrap, wrap that in as well. Um, the climate, um, hysteria of our generation, um, you never know when you're going to, you you never know if you could be the father of someone that has some incredible innovation that completely solves some of these issues that, that our generation is really focused in on. That's making us avoid becoming parents. Um, in, in Hurricane Katrina, a lot of the the damage was caused because the the levees were poorly constructed, and um, that's why there was such horrible catastrophe with that storm. Um, but what people oftentimes fail to um, realize is that years later, a a similar storm of uh, of a, a very similar pattern came through that same exact spot, but the levees were not only rebuilt, but they were built much better, and we didn't hear about that that hurricane in the news cycle like we did Katrina, and a lot of that's because of human innovation helped to 
avoid that disaster. And I really do think that there are many individuals that say that the world's population is um, growing too rapidly. Um, you know, in, in 1950, the rate was uh, was 24 births per uh, 1,000 people. Um, and in 2022, and this is actually up from the last couple of years, we're at 12, so half of what it used to be. And, um, you know, ultimately, when you think about the fact that that uh, so many people are choosing not to be parents, you never know what what genius child, you know, may uh, may not be able to be raised up to solve tomorrow's problems. And I really do think that there's a lot that can be said about that on the spiritual side of things as well, of, of course. Um, but just to take a really practical approach, you know, I like to sometimes view things, you know, if I wasn't a Christian, a reasoning to have children. Well, there's one, you know, um, your children have a contribution to be made. And if you're not willing to put in the work to raise up that next generation, I think that you are removing blessings, not only from yourself, parent, as we've discussed throughout this conversation, but I think you're also removing a lot of blessings from our world at large. I, I couldn't agree with you more. There's there's so many contributions that still need to be uh, invented, things that we haven't thought about yet. And uh, being raised, uh, and this is... Um, this is scientifically uh, borne out. If you're raised in a house where mom and dad love each other, uh, the child leaves that house feeling more secure and, and and more significant, and so they're more likely to go and try new things and explore new new ideas. That's that doesn't mean that that no one has ever invented anything that didn't have come from a loving family. Of course, that's absurd, but it just it, it increases their chances. The other thing too that I would say, I know that uh, it may be it may be our time to start to wrap up. I, I read a book um, several years ago, and I can't. I wish I could remember the name of it, and I'm sorry I don't. But it was a nurse that her entire career was um, was serving the people at the end of life. That's all she did was do hospice care for people that were dying, and. She wrote a book about the people that she cared for. And she said not one person ever said they wish they owned one more boat. Not one person ever said they wish they worked one more hour. Not one person ever said at the end of life, you know, they wish they had one more car. They all said they wish they had spent more time with family. They all said that. Um, they all said they wish they had they had contributed more to their uh, to their church or local charity, and that they had resolved any disagreements with family, and they had spent more time with family. And those that died alone, with no children, were the ones who regretted that the most, especially those that had chosen not to. So whether you are spiritual or not, whether you're thinking about being a part of the world's spiritual problems, just your quality of life is better when you have kids. I know that it puts a strain on you financially, but you forget about that because they bring joy. And at the end of life, if you've loved them and you've given them a you've given them the opportunity to go out and spread their wings, it will help you as you as you age, as you go through life. And you won't die alone. <laughs> I mean, it, 
it's a sad thing to think that there are some of these people out here that didn't have kids and they just are, they, they just live, you know, the last few years of life without anybody. And there's just so many reasons, um, to bring kids in this world. And, and we don't even have time to talk about the fact that in the last 50 years, the abortion rate has just kept people from being born. There's just a lot of people who are not born because of the vast numbers of abortion. And so if, if we as Christians and as believers can bring in kids into this world, you know, we're, we're, we are likely going to help create people in a secular job that jobs need to be filled. And, and then people in a spiritual world that just need love and attention. And I mean, there's just so many positives as believers bringing kids into this world to be a part of a local or a national or international solution um, to whatever God has called them to do and give them the gifts to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that may be a good place for us to see where can people find you if they want to keep up with you. You know, I have a website, uh, lee-bailey.com, and um, uh, my email is uh, Bailey Bunch. If anybody remembers that TV show from the 1970s, The Brady Bunch, uh, we went to Bailey Bunch, and then the year we got married, 1993, at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Awesome. Michael, where can people find you? You can find me doing an inductive Bible study of Matthew chapter 13. Awesome. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, we have been Forge and Anvil podcast. Um, if you want to support the show, as always, feel free to go to forgeandanvil.locals.com. Thanks so much for listening. Gentlemen, thank you for the invite.